Welcome to Money MD, where the money doctors are in the house. We're giving out prescriptions for better financial health and making smart decisions with your money. We give common sense solutions to your complex problems. And now, here are the doctors. Well, John, this cooler weather couldn't have come a second too soon. Welcome to fall, finally. My goodness. Yes. It's been a long, long, long summer. Long summer. It's been very hot. Unlike the uh, Carolina Gamecocks, they did play good against Alabama. I'll, you hey, know, they, I, they, I was impressed by this, that backup quarterback. The score didn't reflect um, the opportunities. There were two touchdowns that yes. um, very easily could have been on the scoreboard. Uh, I won't go into detail on it, but uh, they—, they they played relatively well. They didn't win, but uh, Clemson yeah, it could it could have been a close game. Yeah, it could have. Yeah, Clemson's doing well, obviously. Clemson just keeps on playing. rolling, you know. But we're playing Charlotte, Charlotte this weekend. I didn't know I mean, they had a football team. Hey, I mean they've been averaging forty-seven points a game. My goodness, yeah. John, that could be a close game. And the line is forty, so that means you're going to win eighty-seven to forty-seven, something like that, right? <laughs> <laughs> we'll, we don't predict football. We'll see. So uh, we're gonna we're gonna relax this weekend. Yes. Yeah, I think we'll probably win that one. So, uh, but anyway, it's been an interesting season so far. And speaking of interesting, we have some great topics here. We're going to start off talking about when to decide to retire, right? Yeah, that and uh, looking at homes. I mean, that's a big piece of, um, you know, the decision of, uh, is where you're going to live. Are you going to, you know, downsize? It's one of the questions we ask folks, folks when they retire is, are you staying in your current home? Is that the plan? And, you know, a lot of times, 50% of the time, people say, no, I'm going to downsize. And then you have some longer-term decisions as well, like um, some people want to move in retirement communities uh, also. So really big decision to figure that one out. Yeah, that'll be a good topic. And speaking of staying in your home, if you do stay in your home, you're probably <laughs> going to want to do some home improvements. <laughs> probably. And we have the six home improvements that, that do pay. They pay back. In other words, you know, these are things you can do to your house that you, that you make your money back on to a large extent. And then there's some things not so much that you don't want to do. So interesting article here out of the bottom line. Um, and uh, just, you know, I mean, everybody's trying to upgrade their homes. Mm -hmm. A lot of people are. And uh, you want to make sure you get a good payback on that. So we have the things to, to look for when you're doing that. By the way, I'm Steve Marbert. I'm a certified financial planner and a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro with over 24 years experience of providing financial planning and investment advice. And I'm John Travis, also a Dave Ramsey Smart Vester Pro. I have an MBA in finance and have been helping corporations and individuals with planning for over 27 years. We're excited to have you listen to us today on our weekly show. Our podcasts are up every Friday afternoon. Yeah, check out our website, moneymd.net. You can uh, find the link to the podcast or just listen to it from your uh, comforts of your home. Uh, also check out our website, MoneyMD. We have a lot of tools out there, a retirement calculator, some really good information, some videos. Go check that out. Facebook page, MoneyMD. Uh, special guest. We've got our uh, nerdy free spirit, Sarah, doing the recording this week on that. So yeah. you want to make sure you tune in on that one. That's going to be a good one. Yeah. 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 You want to hear that. And uh, we'd love to hear from you. You can email us directly at info at moneymd.net, or you can link to us right off of our website. Well, John, we're going to start off here with the financial fact of the week. Yeah, this isn't official, but it looks like the uh, Social Security uh, cost of living adjustment is going to be about 1.6%. 1.6%. Yeah, average of about $23 more per month. So not a lot. That's right? not a lot, John. It's not, inflation has been held down a little bit. Now, now last year it was 2.8%, so significantly less than that. But I don't know if you remember back in 2016, there was no cost of living Yeah, adjustment. that was painful. We heard about that a lot yes. because you know what does go up every year? 
Yeah. That's Medicare Part B. It does. And, and so unfortunately, that little increase you're going to get is probably going to be eaten up by your increase in your Medicare Part B. Yeah, 1.6% is not huge, but uh, better than zero. In 2017, it was 0.3%. So, Ouch. Uh, you know, it's kind of kind of meager. Yeah, right. Inflation's been running a little higher than that. So uh, not, not your typical inflation bump. But uh, hey, every little bit helps. Yep. So, you know, that's something to be happy about, I guess. And that leads up here for, to our first topic, and that is um, when to decide to retire. Yeah, and looking at the the mortgage, Steve. I mean, it's uh, it's challenging. This um, uh, CNBC article, Lori Conish, and um, this uh, individual they're talking about, this uh, lady's um, uh, this mother of a gentleman had uh, macular degeneration, and she couldn't drive anymore. So he and his brother had to look for senior living communities for their mom. And uh, they had a lot of questions, many of uh, which they didn't know the answer to. And adding to those difficulties, they were trying to sell the home um, during the Great Recession nine years ago in the real estate market. So, you know, put it on the market and you have to drop the price and, you know, you got a lot of capital tied up in that. And so the experience prompted um, this uh, this gentleman, Sullivan, and his wife, Ingrid. They were both real estate professionals. They actually started a business aimed at helping other families uh, facing the same deliver- dilemma. And they called it Senior Downsizing Experts, and they're based out of Texas. And these services include, you know, help with real estate sales and liquidation, but also finding home repair contractors and movers. And, you know, the number one thing they typically hear from their clients is they wish they would have done this planning, you know, from a living sooner. Because it it all happens at once sometimes, and it's very chaotic. Right. Yeah. I mean, when you retire, a lot of things, you know, a lot of questions come up, right? And, um you know, and, and so they're saying one of the typical things they hear is they wish they had made these decisions sooner. They wish they had done this sooner. For many, though, deciding what age to stop working is the biggest decision they'll face. But after that, the next big question is, where are you going to live? You know, and aging in place is a common goal for retirees. A lot of people want to stay in their homes. Mm-hmm. Um, they're reluctant <clears throat> to consider, you know, downsizing or going to a nursing home or someplace like that. But um you have to make these decisions early, and you have to really think through them. Yeah, but the idea of downsizing is gaining traction uh, as more baby boomers enter retirement. There was a survey done last year by TD Ameritrade, and they found that 42% of Amer- Americans, they plan to downsize in retirement. So not quite 50%, but close. And a 2018 report from Fannie Mae pointed to a coming mass exodus of baby boomers from the 32 million homes they own and occupy as they leave for, for rentals or, you know, maybe senior care facilities or sadly, you know, passing away. So they're, they're, they're saying, Hey, a mass exodus is going to happen. And, you know, experts say there's a couple of key reasons retirees may want to get a jump on relocating um, to prepare for that next phase of life. And one of them is money and the other one is health related. So a lot of people are, are actually downsizing and, you know, changing where they're living. Hmm. Well, that makes you wonder what's going to happen to the real estate market when it that does. happens to yep. those size houses. But, uh, you know, presumably there are enough younger people that, you know, have big families and need those houses. Um, but a recent analysis from MaxFi, a personal financial planning platform, found that the more assets a retiree couple has, the more their discretionary income will increase in retirement by downsizing their home. And I guess that <clears> means they'll have more discretionary income. Mm-hmm. To, to spend, right? So the more the discretionary spending will increase. Um, just sitting in the house, you know, they're giving up the ability to take that equity and to earn some money on it. 
Um, so, you know, by downsizing, they free up that equity, they increase their, their disposable income they can use for discretionary expenses. Yeah. So here's a hypothetical example, a couple 65 years old, they have 600,000 in their 401k, 150 in other investments and a $300,000 house that they own. Uh, their lifetime discretionary spending would be about $1.4 million. So that's just looking at how much they can spend over their lifetime. But after downsizing to a home worth about $150,000, which is half of their current uh, you know, current home's value, they would, they would also cut their housing expenses, including homeowners insurance and maintenance. And the result is they would boost their lifetime discretionary spending um, to about $1.7 million or about a 24% increase. So it basically just means when you go to a lower house, you're going to have less expenses, right? Less upkeep, less yeah. utilities, and so forth. So you have that money you can spend on other things yes. like vacations or golf. golf. I know yes, you're going to say I golf. I love it. Right? I love it. Yeah, that's a great <laughs> example, John. I'm glad you thought of it. Yeah, the larger the home you downsize from, the more the lifetime discretionary spending increases what they found. Um, so people use that money. They have fun with it. Um, and that's because the high-income couples, they face higher taxes, you know, Medicare Part B premiums. Um, so for another hypothetical example, <clears throat> um, here's a couple that downsized from a $900,000 home to a $450,000 home, and it boosted their lifetime discretionary spending from $3.8 million to from two point eight million to three point eight million. Yeah, so about a million dollars more in lifetime discretionary spending because they had the income available. So it's a thirty three percent increase and it came from the equity in their home. Yeah, they're basically saying the the bigger the house, you know, cutting it in half is going to increase it more. They use another example, one and a half million dollar home to seven hundred and fifty thousand that would be a 39% increase. And if you went from a $3 million house to a 1.5, it'd be a 55% increase. So, you know, it's it, the bigger the house, the more you have. And I think what they're getting at is you take that money, you invest it, right? Now it's available to be invested, mm-hmm. and then it generates new income for you. That's right. So if you get it invested and it's making 6 or 7%, you can draw out maybe 4 or 5% per year. And that income, you know, can potentially last your lifetime that comes out of the equity that you invested from your house. Yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah, you take that equity and you're putting it to work versus it just sitting there in the house. So, exactly. you know, a lot of people, Steve, are, are house poor and they don't realize it. So, um, you know, these these issues sometimes are black and white. If you can reduce your housing costs, it does give you more discretionary income. And, you know, the examples come from this analysis done by MaxFi Tool. It analyzes the personal spending, saving, and insurance data to determine how individuals and families can make the most of their wealth. So instead of the wealth being in an illiquid asset, it turns it into something, like you said, that can generate income. Yeah, and it even multiplies beyond that because, you know, what they point out here is um, advisors tend to point out the details in that, and that is there are expenses associated with a big house. You know, there's property taxes, there is um, upgrades, you know, upkeep, there's insurance. And so when you downscale, downsize your house, you save all that additional expense that then becomes freed up for discretionary expenses. Mm -hmm. So we're talking more golf. (laughs) That's right. But there are a lot of people that do want to live in the house, right? Yeah, they do. So there's about 50%, 60% that want to stay put. But uh, by staying put, you run the risk that a health crisis is going to force you out unexpectedly. So um, you you want to think through that. A lot of times people don't know that answer when we ask them the question. But, um, you know, one one of the things you want to look for is a a home that is aging friendly. So even if you're healthy now, 
10 to 15 years from now, you know, you could be frail. So if you have a lot of stairs or narrow doorways, uh, that could be a recipe for a disaster. So, you know, the other option, which we really haven't talked about, is long-term care at home. Uh, very expensive, but that right. means, you know, it, it may be more affordable than moving to an assisted living facility. So it's one of those, you know, buckets that you have to figure out. I know you've already figured out your vacation bucket, but, you know, it's that, that piece of it's important. But also, where are you going to live is. and how are you going to, you know, transition through your retirement? And I think people also have to keep in mind that downsizing doesn't automatically save you money. So you got to be careful about that. We see clients sometimes that will downsize, but, you know, as you get older, your, your, your tastes tend to get a little bit nicer too. So sometimes you'll downsize, but you're buying a newer house and it has more of the things you really wanted and nicer, you know, kitchen and, you know, the uh, nicer appliances. And so you end up spending the same amount of money for, you know, a house that's 30% smaller and it doesn't save you anything. So be realistic when you're thinking about downsizing. Don't think you're automatically going to downsize from a, you know, $250,000 house and you're going to find something that's, you know, $100,000. Um, mm-hmm. It's probably not going to happen that way. So you have to be realistic. But it's a great, a great you know, tool in your tool chest. Yeah. Um, and it can mm-hmm. save you a lot of money and it can create some a lot of discretionary income in the future. Yep. So good topic. All right. And that leads us up here to our question of the week. This question is 30 years old and uh, want to retire by f- the age of 50. Is that reasonable? And it it depends. I mean, you know, if you can get rid of your mortgage is a big piece of the puzzle. Depends if you have kids in the house. That's another you know piece of the puzzle. But you know, running a retirement plan with some inflation, um, you know, we do see people retiring at 50. I, I you know, we've we've experienced that. Okay, I'm gonna be I'm gonna be the other side of the coin. I'm gonna be the bad advisor here. You're the good advisor. Well, I, I had a <laughs> caveat. Mean, I had a caveat. The mean advisor. I had a caveat, Go which ahead. means not many people truly retire. They may do a phase two type retirement, right, but, right. but retiring at fifty and not doing anything is not healthy. Yeah. Well, even let me, if you can make that. All, you well, know. let me just say, you know, the answer retiring by fifty probably not is the right answer because it depends. I mean, I mean there, it's complicated. Okay. I mean, first off, there's medical. I mean, you got to cover medical from fifty to sixty-five. It's fifteen years. You know, that you got to pay for medical, which you know, there's all kind of uncertainty there in terms of how much it's going to cost. Um, so that's a big hurdle. You know, you got to have a lot of money to mm-hmm. cover medical from 50 to age 65 to you get to you're able to draw Medicare. Um, you know, the next one is, you know, 40 years of, of income in retirement. If you retire by age 50, you might live to 90 or you need to plan for that. That's 40 years. That's a long time. So, <clears throat> you know, if you truly plan to retire, think twice. And then another thing is Social Security doesn't start to age 62. Don't, don't be so negative here. I mean, come on. <laughs> we, 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 you know, we, we call this realistic. Positive, positive hope. But on my side of the world, it's realism, well, John. I mean, most, pe- most people don't retire at 50 and do nothing. Most people that that have True. that I've seen that have retired in their mid-50s are doing part-time work, uh, maybe in their industry or whatever. A career change might yes. be a reasonable thing. Right. You know, part-time maybe, but still you got to have insurance. So it's, it's okay to dream, though. It is okay to dream, you know? I mean, hey, I've, I've dreamed of being a pro golfer one time. So uh, there you go. But I hate to bring it back to reality. There you go. All yeah. right. Well, that leads us up here to our next topic, which isn't dreaming, John, and that is home improvements. You know, I mean, they happen, and there are some here that actually pay back, that actually do work. Um, this comes from Bottom Line, a very recent article, um, Clayton uh, DeCorn, who's um, – 
who actually publishes Remodeling Magazine. Um, and, uh, you know, he, he previously was a, a home renovator um, and a carpenter in Vermont, so he knows a lot about it. But, you know, remodeling, John, is one of those things about upgrading your home that, that's kind of a tricky thing that can cost a lot more than you think. And you can end up with, with very little return on your investment in the end. Um, we see people all the time that are <clears throat> taking big chunks of money out of their retirement or their savings, you know, in retirement to upgrade their home, um, only to find out that when they sell their house, it didn't really add much to their value. Um, surprisingly, though, I mean, there are some fairly cheap things you can do which do add value while giving you the pleasure of, of you know, upgrading the appearance and being able to enjoy it. Um, of course, nothing beats, you know, a good pressure wash and a fresh coat of paint to really spruce up the outside of your house and to increase the curb appeal of your home. Um, but beyond that, there are a number of other things you can do that do give you some immediate payback and will give you a fresh look to your house. Yeah. So when you when you eventually sell your home, which everybody you know sells their home at some point, you're going to want to make sure that you uh, recoup you know some of those upgrades if you can. And on average, homeowners receive about two-thirds of their remodeling costs when they sell. Um, but some projects tend to provide a much higher return than others. So we've got six projects here that return anywhere from 70 to to 100%. So none of these pay you. Yeah, none Just of get them it back. pay you, right. It back's it's not, not like painting. I think painting and, and washing, I did, yeah, I too. that pays you more than 100%. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, this the, these are good ones, but not ones that really... Uh, that really pay you. So we're going to jump right into it for sake of time here. The first one is a new garage door. Yeah, I didn't, wouldn't have thought of that. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't have either. I was pretty in, in, surprised by this one. Yeah, the average cost to recoup is 97.5%. So pays pays 100% of itself almost. Mm -hmm. And that's interesting. I and mean, it is a big, a big thing you see when you drive up, and a lot of times they're beat up, you know, and scratched up and stuff. But yeah, the garage door often is the easiest, most cost-effective way to upgrade your home's exterior appearance. And garage doors are large enough that, you know, they're a significant percentage of the facade, you know, that people see when they come to your house. Um, existing garage doors often are badly degraded from weather, and many of them are, <clears throat> are dented as well. A replacement's relatively affordable. Um, you know, an attractive steel door with foam insulation and windows around it costs about $3,600 on average if hmm. you pay somebody to do it all from scratch. Interesting. So, yeah, it's a pretty good, pretty good. Yeah, thing to return. Do. Yeah. Another one here is manufactured stone veneer. Um, about ninety-five percent recoup. Uh, cost about nine thousand dollars for approximately three hundred feet. So replacing the lower third of your home siding on the street-facing uh, facade with a stone veneer, which is an outer layer that you know creates the impression of a stone foundation, it, you're likely to recoup most of your expense when you sell it. Um, you know, this type of upgrade gives the home a sense of weight and solidity, and most people like it in the mix of the textures and the colors uh, it creates with the siding above. So, um, you know, that's something to look at. 95%, uh, about nine grand, more expensive than a garage door, obviously, but, uh, yeah. you know. Still not too bad. I mean, because that's a pretty major upgrade. It and is. It, it looks good. Mm -hmm. I mean, I really like the look of stone on maybe, you know, the lower yeah. third or something of a house. Um, so that's a pretty good one. I wouldn't have thought of that one either. Um, so another one everybody thinks of though here is the kitchen remodel. Hmm. You know, average cost recoup though for remodeling your kitchen, 
is 80%. Now, this is from a minor kitchen remodeling. Kitchen remodeling it, can get crazy. Is there such a thing as a minor kitchen remodeling? <laughs> well, I've never heard of one of those. Well, maybe they're going to describe it here. Let's see. You know, I mean, this is one of those interior projects that offer a very solid return on your investment. But you take care, not every kitchen remodel will produce the impressive return when the home is sold. you got to control the scope and the scale of the project, particularly if you expect to sell your home soon. Mm -hmm. So while a minor kitchen remodel costs about $22,500, can return around 80% of the money spent, a major upscale upgrade kitchen remodel is like $100,000, only returns 59%. Might as well buy a new house for that. <laughs> well, so I think, you know, I think what they're talking about here when they're talking about minor, I think they're talking about, you know, obviously redoing flooring, mm -hmm. redoing the countertops and the appliances, but not redoing the cabinets. cabinets yeah. We all know cabinets can be a killer. You know, refinish the cabinets. You can do that, right? That's pretty cheap. But if you go, if you go totally replace them, you know, you're going to break the bank when you go do that. Um, but yeah, a minor uh, facelift <clears throat> they describe here is often sufficient to improve the look of an older kitchen. Cost-effective improvements could replacing older appliances, countertops, flooring, sinks, faucets, cabinet doors, uh, drawer fronts, and repainting the walls and trimming and uh, ceiling. So really more than I thought, actually replacing some of the doors and stuff in the cabinet. Farmer house-esque uh, Shaker-style cabinet doors and drawer fronts are a good choice, and they're timeless and popular way, very popular with home buyers. So, if your goal is to recoup as much as possible in remodeling the cost um, <clears throat> to set when you sell, don't change out the layout of the kitchen. You know, don't replace the cabinets entirely because you're going to spend way too much money. You'll never get all that money back. Yeah, and an another one here, Steve, is a, uh, a wood deck addition average. Um, Recouping is about seventy five percent. The average cost uh, maybe twenty grand um, for a composite deck, uh, about thirteen for a wood deck of the same size. So you know, home home buyers tend to like decks. You know, it's a place they can go and spend uh, right. afternoons and summer days. And um, you know, the composite decks are a lot more expensive than uh, the pressure treated wood decks. So it's something you got to consider. Uh, as you're looking at it, uh, how long you're going to be there? If you're not going to be there, you know, very long, then probably get the pressure-treated wood deck. But that's a, it's a big price, thirteen grand. You know, yeah, it's still a lot of money. You know, I mean, obviously, all these projects get a lot cheaper if you can do it yourself or sure. if you're handy and could do a lot of it. Um, but uh, are you offering still services? Nah, nah but uh, <laughs> you know, I have done bathrooms, and yeah. uh, you know, I did. Well, we're going to get to that, I guess, later on here. So I'll I'll, scry I'll save that one for later. New siding, though, is another one. Though average cost recouped is seventy five point six percent. That's pretty good. I didn't mm -hmm. didn't realize that was that was as cost effective. You know, I mean, these days, um, there are durable, affordable vinyl, vinyl and uh, fiber cement siding options that will hold up well um, in the weather. Very effective to mimic the the look of wood. Um, yeah, they have this new the new stuff, you know, that I'm trying to think of the name of it, um, is kind of a concrete based fiber, you know, material that looks great and is just as durable as heck. I mean, it'll just it seems like it just lasts forever. Um, but the average cost of the siding replacement is around sixteen thousand dollars for twelve hundred and fifty square feet. Um and as noted, I mean the average payback is about seventy five percent. But the payback of this project can vary. It depends on how badly um, the current siding needs to be replaced. So you want to take care when you're doing that. The next one here is a new entry door. 
Um, a lot of people don't think about this, but the front door to your house hmm. makes a big difference in the appearance, and, and that can get really weathered and, and can look pretty old. Um, so the average cost recouped is is seventy five percent again. The front, it's a new front door, just like the garage door. It's an inexpensive way to help a home, you know, have a great first impression. Um, insulated twenty gauge steel door that's factory finished with paint is an attractive but cost effective option. Around eighteen hundred dollars. Um, and so that's a way you can, you can really, you know, spruce up the front of your home. Now, if you have the whole thing replaced with a transom and all this kind of stuff, you know, around it, um, with the side lights that comes to around $9,000, um, you get about 72% out of that when you sell it. <clears throat> so still pretty good payback with that type of project. Yeah. So we're going to look at some things that have a lower payback. Yeah, right. we've got four items here that uh, 50% and uh, between 50 and 60%. The first one is um, an upscale master bedroom suite addition. Recoup about 50% of it uh, may include fireplaces, walk-in dressing rooms, natural light, you know, change the bathrooms, walk-in showers. These costs can be upwards of two hundred thousand dollars. Wow! That, yeah, I mean, you're talking about adding on a whole section to your yeah, house. That's, that, that's crazy. Big. Even that's a lot of money. Even a, a more modest mid-range uh, master suite edition has a relatively modest payback of around fifty-nine percent. So, gotta be careful, you know. Particularly if you're going to be there long term. I mean, investing in some of these items probably makes sense. But man, dropping a hundred to two hundred thousand dollars maybe may time to move if you need yeah. to add two hundred grand to your house. Yeah, yeah. A patio, <laughs> a backyard patio is a Another one you don't recoup a lot on. Um, the cost is about 55%. Um, you know, and it's because, I mean, wood decks do a lot better. You know, I mean, it's not the home home buyers don't value patios. It's just they don't add the value. Um, I guess it just doesn't look as good. You know, it's just a flat patio. Um, and it costs a good bit to put it in. Um, heck, they say a 20 by 20 foot patio is nearly $57,000. So I guess this has like stone, you know, around it and that kind of stuff. Really, yeah. really nice patio to be that expensive. So maybe you just want to pour a slab back there and call it good. <laughs> <That's right. laughs> Plant some shrubs around go it. Go buy some bricks. There you go. You know, upscale bathroom addition. Um, this one's not very good either. I mean, recoups about 58%. When you're adding a luxurious uh, bathroom to a home, it's it's eventually going to boost the selling price, of course, but not nearly as much as it costs. I mean, it costs like $87,000 to do an addition of a bathroom. Hmm. Um, so, you know, instead, I'd say just upgrade the bathrooms you have. And, you know, if you can do some of that work yourself, it gets very reasonable. It can be expensive and you pay somebody to do it. Mm-hmm. I had a contractor come in back a few years ago and, and, you know, quote me on some bathrooms. And it was like $50,000 to do a facelift of three bathrooms. So that was going to be a lot. Ended up doing it myself, John. And, you know, I did it for, you know, a tenth of that price. Yeah. Wow. Um, so, uh, you know, but you got to be handy. I mean, there's a lot of work involved in that. Um, so, uh, but you can, you can do that pretty effectively if you can do some of the work yourself. Um, and then an upscale um, major kitchen remodel is another thing you do not get a lot of payback on. As we just mentioned, 59%. Um, yeah, but you're going to drop six figures on that kitchen easily if you go replacing all the cabinets. It's just a huge, it's a huge cost to totally replace a cabinet and, you know, redesign the kitchen. You don't want to do that if you're planning to resell your house anytime soon because that's one that's probably not going to pay you back. Um, so there you go. I mean, there's some good home list. improvement options. Yeah. Good list and interesting information. So if you want more details on that, 
email us and we can send you the article. Um, so, and that brings us to the close, uh, the last item for this week, and that is the prescription of the week. Yeah, this is to, um, we're going to sell some stuff, right? So our Great challenge idea. is to go get two items. Um, so our, our nerdy free spirit in the office, which is Sarah Hensley, um, she's going to do a really uh, cool video. She's very creative, but she is actually going to find two items in her house. She's already identified them. Oh, she's cool. then going to choose uh, Craigslist, eBay, or Facebook Marketplace. I love that. And she's going to sell the items. And one of them's pretty expensive. I think she, it was a um, antique sink or something for like three hundred bucks. And we'll see what she gets for it. But nice. Then use that for something that's kind of outside the budget that you were hoping to do, or maybe you know give it away, donate. Uh, the item or donate the cash to charity. So um, go clean out something. Heck we yeah. We all have something to sell. I love that. You know, I mean, because <clears throat> stuff just accumulates and you have some nice stuff that you thought you were going to really love and maybe you don't love it anymore. Um, so it's just time to get rid of some of that stuff. So go around, yeah. identify some stuff, you know, get real acquainted with Craigslist. You know, once you get the account set up and you know how to do it, and you know how to upload pictures and all that. I mean, it gets pretty easy. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with eBay. Um, so just get good at selling things and, and you know, do a couple items a week. That's a great idea. So, some people have businesses that do that. I mean, they'll go to yeah. garage sales, buy stuff cheap, and they'll put it on eBay and Craigslist, and they have a business. Oh, my goodness. I could keep yeah. somebody busy for weeks if yeah. they come to my house. Either yeah. that or build a barn, right? Exactly. Yeah, you don't <laughs> want to store all that stuff. And for heaven's sake, don't go rent a uh, storage unit, I mean, and keep the stuff forever. <laughs> you know, Bad we idea. have people that do that. That's terrible. It's going the other direction. So get some money, you know, for these these items that you don't love anymore. And uh, then go fund your Roth. That's another good idea. Yes. I like the Roth. Or vacation. Either one (laughs) will work just fine. (laughs) All right. Well, that brings us to a close for this week's edition of MoneyMD. Tune in next week to your more prescriptions for your financial health. Do check us on our website, MoneyMD.net. Email us your questions at info at MoneyMD.net. Or give us a call at Richard Young Associates at 706 739 0725. Thanks for listening. Have a great rest of the week. Have a good one. This program contains general information only and should not be taken as specific investment, tax, or legal advice. This broadcast is not a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. SmartVestor Pro is not connected to investment returns. Further information is available by contacting Richard Gang Associates, a registered investment advisor.